Father, you've been so good. You are merciful and patient and kind. We worship you. We praise you. You are good, Lord. We turn our eyes to you, our attention to you. And we just, we look to you in dependency and say, please, Lord, send the spirit upon the hearers that they might receive the word of God to be healing balm to their hearts. Show us Jesus today like we haven't seen him yet. In your holy name, amen. Amen. Well, guys, I'm here with Dane Ortland again. I just love being with him. The way that he sees Christ is so attractive. It pulls me in. But uh, maybe you're watching today. You are a believer. You are a believer. You're walking with God. But maybe you've recently sinned. You did something that you know is wrong. You, you feel discouraged. You hear the voice of the accuser. You, you feel like a fraud. Maybe you feel like you've let God down. Maybe you, you're frustrated just with yourself. You're embarrassed or you're just deflated. Well, we have amazing news for you today. Precious brother, precious sister. Sometimes you just got to hear the stuff you already know. Sometimes you just need to freshly see it. Or maybe you're watching and you you haven't yet seen the tender-hearted Father in Christ put his hand under your chin and lift your face up, look you in the eyes and say, I'm here. Well, today, that that's what we're hoping to, to do. Psalm 103, it tells us that if, if he had marked iniquity, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with him that he may be feared. We're going to look at the charms of Jesus Christ, two in particular. One, his advocacy, his him being the advocate, and two, the intercessor. So in 1 John chapter 2, we see this May, what is it, 2-1. It says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if, or and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Talk to me. Talk to me, Pastor. Tell me what's going on. Okay, I will be obedient to that question, and I want to serve your your uh, viewers and listeners in just the way you just said, Eric. But I need uh, sixty seconds first. Sure. You you communicated your love to me, therefore I want to communicate my love to you, and obey. Romans 12, outdo one another in showing honor. Um, in the moments of, of prayer and reflection, getting ready to be on this call with you, I just quickly jotted down six things I love about Eric Gilmore. Number one, you have a hunger for truth. I respect that. Number two, you have a desire to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Like Paul says in Galatians, you, you want to be aglow, and you are with the Holy Spirit. I want more of that. Number three, you have an impulse to encourage others. You want to speak life into others while you're doing this call. You didn't have to do this. You want to speak life into people and encourage them. Number four, you want to grow both intellectually and spiritually. And the two are connected. You want to grow. You're not content with where you're at. Neither am I. I think that's healthy. That's healthy. Um, number five, you have a large hardness about you. There are particulars of doctrine you and I would disagree on. Okay. 
fine. We are operating out of a shared heart and we are brothers with an elder brother. We're brothers in Christ. Therefore, let's care about doctrine, but let's rejoice over one another. Let's put our arms around one another. And that's the kind of man you are. Sixth and finally, I just jotted six. We could keep going, but six. You want your life to be marked both by light and heat, both clarity and precision of truth and warmth, uh, joy, you know, like uh, energy, life. Um, And a a lot of Christians are really one or the other. I want to be a both and like that. So that's the end of my 60 seconds, a little longer than 60 seconds. If all I did was get on this call to tell you that and then we hung up, it would have been worth it. To answer your question, First John two one, this is absolute glory, my little children. I mean the way, the way the Bible speaks to us. Hey kids, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Part so First John two one is two parts. There's part number one. Hey guys, you people in Christ, don't sin, don't do it. Stop, don't do it. Okay, every religion is trying to say something like that. The glory of the gospel. The charms of Christ, of which there are 10,000, as the old, old hymn says, and we're looking at one or two of them today. I like how you put that, Eric, is the second half of the verse. But if, or you could translate that as you rightly said, and when, because you will <laughs> sin. But if anyone does sin, <gasps> we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Okay, I'll just give you one thought right off the the front burner here about this. And then I want to hear your thoughts about this brother. Um, Every single one of us is going through life and we deeply believe it is us against the world. Mm. I'm alone. Um, I'm uh, it's just me against everyone. No one really understands me. No one really knows what I'm going through. Even a, even a very close spouse doesn't fully feel everything I'm trying to negotiate in this hell of a world. And Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ comes along and he says, taps us on the shoulder, brother, you're not alone. Not only that, not only are you not alone, and not only is it like the Lord Jesus is here with me, that's true, but he might be next to me in neutrality. He might be next to me, and he's just there. <laughs> like we've all we've all we've all had a lunch with someone and they're with you and like but just there's no like they're not you're not tracking with one another he's not only there he is on our team he's for us he is uh he has wiped away the penalty for all our sins and now he is can we put it this way is it or is it too irreverent he's looking at us and saying i am rooting for you i am in your corner you fall into my open, nail-scarred hands any time you want. And I will walk you through the miseries of this world and the glories of the next. And it's guaranteed because not only in the past did I die on the cross for all your many sins, past, present, and future of thought, mind, and deed, but also I am right now, right now, your advocate, like a lawyer wow. who is defending you between all the otherwise valid accusations that are flowing in he is shielding us from all that so i mean this is just glory the book that you and i both have uh all together lovely yes watson spurgeon and flavel i believe yes watson writes every wound is a mouth to plead your case 
Wow. Every wound is a mouth to plead your case. I also remember reading in here in your book, Gentle and Lowly, which if you guys haven't bought this book yet, you you need to grab a hold of it. It is outstanding. But in here, you write this uh, this end section that's just incredible. Do not minimize your sin or excuse it away. Raise no defense. Simply take it to the one who is already at the right hand of the Father, advocating for you on the basis of his own wounds. Let your own unrighteousness in all your darkness and despair drive you to Jesus Christ, the righteous, in all his brightness and sufficiency. Are we always going to need this advocacy? Oh, my goodness. Brother, when you when you said in the opening of the show here, if anyone is tuning in and you have sinned recently and you're you're afflicted with that memory, however you put it, um, I wanted to raise my hand. That's me. I can think right now um, of specific offenses against God mm. in the last few days. Um, I will die one day, I think, I will die one day still feeling that way and observing that about myself. Actually, there's a kind of a backwards way in which the more you grow in godliness, the more acutely you feel your sins. Wow, that's so good. Sins. So, we're, yes, to answer your question, brother, yes, we're always going to need that. Don't you believe that? We're always going to feel this way on the one hand. But here's what we tend to do. We t- What we tend to do is the more guilty and ashamed I feel, the more I sort of hold Christ at arm's length. And I want to sort of say, okay, just, I'm really sorry, Lord. We're hanging our head. And um, give me a week to see if I can come around and then let me come back closer with you again. The devil loves it when we think that way. That is a tactical victory for Satan. Wow. Hell loves it when we feel religious like that. Here's what the the scripture, here's the, the glory of Christianity. It is in, not after, it is in those moments of shame, anguish, regret, pain, guilt. Then that Christ is most desirous that we come to him for immediate balm, relief, healing, assuaging, and basically, as you just said, lifting us by the chin, looking us in the eye and said, I didn't take, what are you doing? I didn't take care of 99% of it. You're safe. You're totally free. And uh, uh, to come to him and, and let him, Basically, uh, tell us the good news again when we need it most is the, the engine of how the Christian life works. It's not peripheral. Uh, that's, uh, so I, I deeply believe that. But I welcome your thoughts. Uh, you, you said something in your book about how the difference between the advocate and the intercessor is mm-hmm. that the advocate is, correct me if I'm wrong, situational. Mm-hmm. And the intercessor is continual. Or something to this effect. Can you can you touch on this? Yeah, thank you, Eric. That's how I understand it. And let me just unpack that just for a moment. Um, John Bunyan, the Puritan, was the one who who first put this over to me in that way. And I said, that seems a little bit artificial and formulaic to me. But the more I've reflected on it, actually, he has persuaded me. And the reason is the language of the two key Bible texts, Hebrews 7.25 about intercession, and 1 John 2, 1, which we just looked at about advocacy, which are different Greek words, but they're overlapping concepts. 
intercession advocacy. And in Hebrews 7, it uses the language of always. He's always in heaven interceding for us. He never is interceding and then says, pause. No, he's always doing it. Okay, so it's an ongoing reality in the court of heaven before the angels to the Father. All right. But then advocacy, during that text we just looked at, it said, when anyone does sin. So you're going through life, and then you sin. And Bunyan says, probably, and I don't want to push this too hard, but I think it, it has persuasive power. Probably what John has in mind here in, in 1 John 2.1 is the moment of, oh, I just screwed up again. You fell into some, some particular, objective, concrete, identifiable sin. When that happens, we have an advocate. So, again, intercession advocacy, they're overlapping concepts. They're very similar, but uh, intercession in Hebrews 7, apparently, just look at the, the actual language of the scripture, mm-hmm. is an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. And advocacy is a, an occasional thing as, as needed. So everything is taken care of. Wow. And you seem to connect the advocacy with, and let me see, see it, how you said it here. You said it has to do with, um, it has to do with something more subjective, experiencing deep solidarity. Jesus shares with us in our actual experience. He feels what we feel. He draws near and he speaks up longingly on our behalf. So you feel like it draws on his heart for us, this, this office he has. I do believe that. Yes, I do believe that. I believe, I believe he is that kind of savior. No, that's not the kind of savior I thought was there for about 35 of my 43 years. Um, the, uh, the word used in first John two, one is paraclete. Hmm. It's used five times in the new Testament. The other four are all in John 14 to 16, talking about the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit is God inside us. It's, uh, it's God within who is, it's actually very difficult with one English word, Eric, to capture this word paraclete, which is why the translations these are all over the place. The English translations, the comforter, the, 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 the advocate, the, the coming one, the uh, counselor. Well, in 1 John 2, 1, the Apostle John uses that word about the deep interior workings and ministry of the Holy Spirit and says Christ does, is like that too. It's that deep. So I love the word solidarity. All it means is withness, not aloneness. And in a similar way, let's not be weird about this, but would we not say when when our four-year-old son or daughter or someone whom we love is experiencing a pain, physically, emotionally, whatever, in in a way, we as the father or mother feel it more. Certainly as much, feel it more. I can see it in my dad. When I share something difficult, I can say, oh my gosh, this is actually harder for him than it is for me. With a spouse, if your spouse is attacked, it's actually more painful for the one who wasn't attacked. It, 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 you understand what I'm saying? Um, surely something like that must be true of God and of Christ. We are so one with him. He's in such solidarity with us that he, the high and holy pure one, must in some way 
uh, feel that anguish more acutely. It's just wonderful non-aloneness. The scripture says, if he marks iniquity, O Lord, who could stand? Right. There is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. My question is, do you think that this tenderness that is balm for the hurting, that we see Jesus to be, and he feels for us and comes in and picks us up, do you think that that promotes the fear of God in a man's life? What an interesting question. Um, I, I would say yes and no, I, I, mainly yes, but I just want to put a little footnote on that so I can say a few things in tiny font at the bottom of the page of the answer. Um, yes, provided we understand what the fear of God is. I mean, I, uh, um, fearing God is a good thing all over the Bible. We are to fear him in the sense that really, actually, it, the closest synonym for us in our English Bibles to fearing God is trusting God. Because hmm. what they're talking about is putting, letting God be the sun of your, the solar system of your life rather than Pluto. <laughs> there, but he's on the periphery. And, and and you're you're glad for him and so on, but you're and not, everything's not orbiting around him. Michael Reeves, uh, "Rejoice and Tremble" is a book on what it means to fear God, and it's like it, it's the subtitle is something like "Why Fearing God is Good News." Um, so not afraid, like trembling, like you've you've broken some rule and you're going into a judge or a father who's going to bring the hammer down. That's not what we mean by fearing God, though we often use the word fear in that way in the English language. But here's the point, in a, psalm, in a place like Psalm 103 or other places in the Bible, um, God's lavish goodness and grace is of such a kind that when it is drunk down and absorbed, what else would we do but yield all to him? We are all in. Uh, Eric, that's all we're talking about when we say the fear of God. Wow. It's not sweaty palms. It's. It's eyes fixated on the Christ of Revelation 1, who's way up high in blazing glory. <laughs> um, and, and we fall at his feet, and it's, it's, with, uh, it's with joy. I mean, Jonathan Edwards said the reason that God would not let people look at him in the Old Testament uh, before he became incarnate in his son, the reason you couldn't look at him is because we our frail uh, mortal frames, he said our bodies, wouldn't be able to handle the joy in looking at him uh not that we would look at him and we'd be incinerated merely by his blazing holiness or something but actually the joy that would erupt would be would be more than this 180 pound bag of whatever i am could handle wow. um so so let's just say i would just say let's understand the fear of god right mm. that's, that's beautiful I, I pulled a quote from um uh good old robert murray mcshane on this topic I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. He says, I feel when I've sinned an immediate reluctance to go to Christ. Yeah. I'm ashamed to go. I feel as if it would do no good to go, as if it were making Christ a minister of sin to go straight from the swine trough to the best robe and a thousand other excuses. But I'm persuaded they're all lies direct from hell. John argues the opposite way. If any man sinned, we have an advocate with the Father. And a thousand other scriptures are against it. I'm sure there is neither peace nor safety from deeper sin, but in going directly 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's way of peace and God's way of holiness. It is folly to the world and to the beclouded heart, but it is the way. What do you think? Uh, sign me up for that. I mean, I, I have never, I had never read that quote from McShane, but I love that. And he had a living, glowing communion with Christ, didn't he, Eric? Yeah. Um, if we are calculating and tiptoeing in our communion with Christ and in our approaching him, mm-hmm. again, the devil is quite content. Mm-hmm. He is, he is winning. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Wow. But, it, but what it, if the gospel is true, it, mm-hmm. if if 1 John 2, 2, about Christ being the propitiation, who's totally satisfied everything, <laughs> is true, then we ought to have an appropriate, holy audacity in approaching Christ. And actually, it, that is not a dishonor to him for us to do what McShane says there, and mm-hmm. immediately and quickly and wholeheartedly, fully yield ourselves into his arms. It is an honor to him. That honors him. So two things are happening. We are getting fully um, experienced a fresh forgiveness and his advocacy. We're, we're feeling, oh, okay, we're, we're breathing again. And he's getting all the glory. Both together, we don't have to choose between the two of them. It honors him. Wow. In the same way that, that you know, if, if I if I need money and I go to my banker and I say, can I take out a loan? That honors him because he's capable of doing it. That's a pathetic analogy, but we understand in the in the world in which we live that it's not a dishonor to go to someone for that which he can provide and loves to provide. Mm. Um, so I love what you just read from McShane, Eric. Wow. That's incredible. It's an honor to him. Hebrews 7, 25, you touch on this in your, your book here, Gentle and Lowly. Uh, therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The, the last couple of things I want for you to touch on is just, will you talk to us about this intercessory charm that Jesus has? Wow. I'm still learning about this. And I just began to learn about it a few years back. So I'm very excited about it because it, it really is like an oxygen tank for my heart going through the day. Um, I, 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 let's never stop talking about the doctrine of justification by faith alone. You and I love this doctrine. It is the foundation, the bedrock of all of life. It is, it, it is the pathway of my life, not just the gateway into the Christian life. I love the doctrine of justification. However, it is about what Christ did 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Let's never stop singing about it, praying, talking about it. Okay. But there's another biblical uh, truth about what Christ is doing, not in the past, but in the present. Mm-hmm. It's founded on that past work, but it's what he's doing right now. What is Jesus doing right now <laughs> in the court of heaven? We don't have to wonder. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw him near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So he lived the life we can't live, died the death we deserve to die, mm. rose triumphant from the grave, launching the new creation, um, was ascended up into heaven. He now rules, but then sometimes we leave off the very last 
bit of this, which is he is now interceding for us, which I take to mean it's not. I mean, we talk about the finished work of Christ and it is finished. It's not like he did 90 percent on the cross and the interceding does the last 10 percent. No. However, what is he doing in the court of heaven? It's almost like on a, on a web page, he's pressing refresh over and over again so that we so that um, our justified status is applied moment by moment. In other words, he's not a cold and distant sort of aloof. Um, I died for you way back then, but now I'm sitting back with my arms crossed, kind of checked out, kind of a savior. He is as engaged now in 2022 in heaven for Eric and Dane and every believer as much as he was when he was on that cross. Wow. Wow. And the the, the, glor- the glory of this text to me, Eric, mm-hmm. is that word that is hard to translate. Your translation says completely or something. Uh, mine says to the uttermost. It's one one Greek word, panteles, and, and um, it, it basically means exhaustively. Wow. He's able to save comprehensively, exhaustively. Like if, if I ask one of my kids to sweep the floor, they don't do it panteles. <laughs> nor do i there's always a few crumbs left over when jesus christ makes intercession for us there are no crumbs left over oh, does it to the uttermost here's why that's glorious news dane orland is a to the uttermost sinner not just in the past but in my present and i will be in my future i want to keep growing by the grace of god but i will be i'll die one day and i will be a to the uttermost needy wretch Made in the image of God, redeemed. Okay. Therefore, I need saving that is as strong or stronger than my sinning. I said to the people Sunday when I welcomed them into church, my opening greeting was, to all who are weary and in need of rest, to all who are sinning and enjoying sinning, who who needs a Savior who enjoys saving. This church opens wider doors in the name of Jesus Christ, the friend of sinners, the ally of the exhausted. Come on in and join the party. That's how I like to start church. And that's a Hebrews 725 kind of kind of welcome to all who are to the uttermost sinners. Mm. I have good news for you. There is a to the uttermost savior. You can never you're sinning as fast as you scurry in your sinning. You can never outpace his interceding and saving. So I love that verse. That's beautiful. I took another quote from McShane here, and we'll close out here in a second. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies, yet the distance makes no difference. Christ prays for me. Christ prays for me. Amazing. I think think how we should end this is this. uh, I'll read this thing that you put here by Bunyan. Christ as priest goes before. Christ as advocate comes after. Christ as priest continually intercedes. Christ as advocate in case of transgression pleads. Christ as priest has need to act always, but Christ as advocate sometimes only. Christ as priest acts in time of peace, but Christ as advocate in times of broils, turmoils, and sharp contentions. Wherefore, Christ as advocate is, as I may call him, a a reserve, and his time is then to arise, to stand up and plead when when his own are clothed with some filthy sin that of late they have fallen into. Dane, would you look into the camera and just talk to somebody who has failed recently and they've they're watching this video and they feel deflated what would you what would you say to them uh you you have never ever never in your whole life been more fertile soil for the love of jesus christ 
the whole reason that he came and his purpose, his the top line on his job description is to pull into my heart through the merits of my blood, but not in a strictly only transactional way, but into my heart. Um, any who keep screwing up and are ready to throw their hands up in the air and say, my life is totally beyond me. Um, I don't need helping. I need rescue. I don't need a stretcher. I need resurrection. And, G and the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what he loves to do. He's not waiting for you to begin to like turn a corner and then he engages you. Uh, that's called religion. The good news is that he comes and when you are at your worst, um, one of the Puritans said, it's in the valley, not at the mountaintop, that the rains flow down. Uh, so when you're in the valley, that's when the rains of the love of Jesus Christ, R-A-I-N-S, is flowing down to you and watering you. You are fertile ground. You are ripe. This is the whole point. So I would just say, have the courage and the boldness and the defiance to let Jesus Christ love you. Let him love you. That takes a lot of courage. Does it take courage to follow Christ? Yes. It also takes courage to lay down our religion and in our worst, let him love us. So I would just say, brother or sister, um, I can relate to what you're in. Let's agree together to let the Lord Jesus Christ love us afresh today. How beautiful. This time has been so precious to me. I love you so much. And I'm just so grateful God's connected us. Uh, would you mind just praying? You don't have to pray long. Just pray for the people. I love you too, Eric, and I would be glad to, brother. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, our prayer lives stink. But what a relief that, as Eric just reminded us from McShane, your own son is praying for us. <laughs> okay, this is going to turn out, this is going to end up okay. Won't you please, for any who is engaged with us in this little chat here today, won't you please um, flood their hearts with fresh assurances of your indomitable, unrepealable, invincible, good purposes of love over and in them. In Jesus' name, amen.